a big article about their gig at Madison Square Garden. Garden? Maradon? Maradon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even drunk. <laughs> G'day, welcome to Different Times Podcast with me, Paul Waller, and my co-host, Marcus Park, Daniel Sargent. Oh my word, we're doing shit already. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for joining us today. We're going to just crack on because we've got interviews to do after this uh, with celebs. <laughs> with celebs? They're celebs to us, anyway. Heroes. He- fuck. Heroes. So we ain't got time for regular Although there's so much to get through. Dan, before we go on to our magazines, been up to anything this week? Um, well, today I shit myself with joy. I'm glad you finished that sentence. Can you imagine why? Oh, don't tell me it was the announcement. Yeah. No. So, ghosts are letting Metallica headline above them for a few days round shore. <laughs> well, I assume that's how it worked out. <laughs> And one of them is Twickenham in the United Kingdom, uh, where we saw Iron Maiden a few years ago. So I'm definitely getting my tickets early because I'm not fucking sitting up the back again like we did for that, because that was awful. It was it was a great show. You know when we went to see Iron Maiden at a cinema? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, the Flight 666 tour. Yeah, so I would have preferred to see that gig at the cinema, and it would have been probably a lot uh, cheaper, but then I wouldn't have got my great Twickenham T-shirt. From a cinema, you know what I mean? So, swings and roundabouts. Mm. We were just so far away. Um, yeah, and they're, they're, I don't mind being far away and sitting down, but at Twickenham, there's far away, and then there's... It's fucking far away. We could hear people standing next to us just talking at a normal level. Yeah. And the big screen looked like you were holding your iPhone sort of a <laughs> metre away from you. It was tiny. <laughs> Ghost are letting Metallica headline over them on that one. It's nice. But... And it's a big but. Download Festival is two days before. Shut or the week before, yeah. So, are Metallica Ooh. thinking Southern Show, Midland Show, and then, sorry, and a Northern Show, because they're playing uh, Manchester, I think, at the Etihad. Um, and are they thinking then Download will be like their middle? Or is it Metallica can only do two shows in England, so they won't bother playing Download? That would have to be some sort of super financial deal that they've pulled off. I don't think it's going to happen at all. Because there's space for it to happen on the tour. There's the two of the days of Download Festival are missing off the tour. Oh, no so way. Got to be. No, and I, I Ghost just can't see are it. playing Download France, so they might be tied into it from that. And Download... Are they playing... No, sorry, Download Australia. Oh, right, Australia. Well, that's nothing to do with nothing, is it? Um... I would I would say no, because it's just too much of a financial risk for both of their their things. You got download will then struggle to sell their their headline tickets because people have already bought them for this Metallica thing, and Metallica will struggle because the people are buying the, be the download. A, yeah, I, my initial thing was cool. I'm fucking definitely going to that, but it's like I'll have been home from download for like two days, and then all the way back up to London again for another gig and another hundred quid. To spend on merch and travel, it's a lot of money. I I imagine part of like the deal to get on that Metallica tour was no festivals. 
for, for either, you know, either of those supports. What was the other one? The Bon Bonham Bocasa. Bocasa. I'm going to give them a listen later. I haven't heard of them yet. Have you heard them? I have heard them. Uh, I didn't rate them much. They're pretty, pretty raw, pretty aggressive, catchy. But it gave that the first. I only heard one song, so you can't judge it on that really. But it really sounded like they were trying too hard. Apparently, what, what they're a band that uh, Lars has fallen in love with, and that's why they got on. I, I think they, even though they sound nothing like it, they've got that uh, Gvertalak. Vetalak? Kvelatak. That's them. <laughs> Fucking hell, what's wrong with me? <laughs> they've got that sort of attitude, which is great. It's just that one song I heard. In fact, I'm taking it back. I can't judge them on one song just because I didn't like that one song. So, yeah, I'll listen to them as well. We'll have the lowdown on that next week. Yeah. Right. The only other thing, I haven't really listened to anything new, new, but and I was struggling to find new stuff this week. And I got an Alexa, you know, an Amazon Echo. Did I mention yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. We did on one of the sort of interview things that we did. So yeah. now I'm putting that to good use. I was standing there thinking, right, what can I tell Alexa to play me? And the magazine from last week, that power play, uh, was yeah. lying on the table. Lamb of God were on the front. I thought, fuck it, why not? And said, Alexa, play Lamb of God's newest album. So she kindly obliged uh, and started playing the 2015 album Sturm und Drang. <laughs> how how do you pronounce that? Sturm und Drang. And I really liked it. Yeah. I was out of nowhere. I was like, oh, actually, I've discovered a new band. I overlooked this band for a decade. Yeah, we didn't talk about them, did we? No, Even though they're on the front cover of the magazine. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm actually quite into them. I'm going back and yeah. learning all their, their old songs. It's not like, it's never, they're never going to be my favourite band. They've got that, you know, that double drum clicky sort yeah, of noise yeah, that we don't yeah. like. There's quite a lot of that in there. But actually, some of the riffs are good uh, and the vocals are very likeable too. Yeah, that's what I like most about them. Again, I've only heard like maybe a song off each album of the last few, including the new sort of covers album they did that wasn't on there uh, under their real name. But uh, yeah, it, the vocals really attracted me, but the, the drums and like the production as well was a bit too crisp and clean, but... For fans of Lamb of God, that's exactly what they want. Definitely. Yeah. Hmm. And what have you been up to, bro? I have been discovering some new music uh, this week. So last week I told you about, I went to that uh, escapism gig with Ian Svenonius. Yeah. yeah we and, couldn't say it last week and you haven't bothered to learn it for this week. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, his album, uh, his band, or his one-man band that he's doing is Escapism. And even though... I think it's a bit shit. I can't stop listening to it. What is that about? Like it's it's like oh yeah, I'm just gonna stick that on again. And like it's catchy. Yeah, the, what annoys me is like I could do it myself. I could knock an album out like that pretty quick. Why don't you then? Because I haven't got Any Ian's skills. I've got no I've got no skills. <laughs> can't play guitar, drums, or bass. Well, you know, nor, neither could he. Fair enough. <laughs> but he's got a way about him. There's some something about Ian. I'm not going to mention that surname because I don't need to with first name terms now. So there's something about Ian that is so original and so incredible. Like, like not one or two steps above like your average vocalist, but like several that. It's addictive, so bloody bastard making me listen to that all the time. Prince, uh, the first thing came out of the vault. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, and that came out on, uh, when you listen to this, it'll be Friday week ago. 
and it was it's called Piano and a Microphone, and pretty much that's it. He's sitting in uh, 1983 by a piano. He's got uh, some an engineer recording it and like shouting out instructions to the engineer, like uh, less vocal on this one or whatever like that. And it's just him, like doing a concert for himself, like just pro- probably at like three a.m. in the morning, like he was wont to do. So is it all new material or? Mm. It's all unheard. There's a couple of new songs on there, uh, but there is also, it opens with 17 Days, which was the B-side of When Doves Cry. And it's just a complete different arrangement. Uh, Obviously, this is a year before When Doves Cry came out. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, clearly. And it's just like, wow, this was like a raw form of one of my favourite Prince songs. And that was great, but couple of listens in i'm like i'm i'm going back to escapism so it wasn't wasn't one that would keep me and i saw it i went to hmb um because we were, we were in canterbury the other day and i they have it didn't come and visit me well we almost did come and visit you you should have done oh, no i'm too embarrassed what can i do going to your work like all right dan uh, i thought you meant, i was meant to come to the house come to work would have been brilliant oh would it yeah okay always bored there Ah, oh, sorry well next time we will because we both said, should we go? No, we'll annoy him. I have to hang out with this helmet at work called Craig. His actual name is Kieran, but I call him Craig. And I said I'd give him a shout out. So this is it. <laughs> That's his shout out. He'll appreciate being called a knobhead. Yeah, he's a knobhead. Uh, so yeah, so that was that. But yeah, I saw it in HMV and I was like, mm, 1999. <laughs> That's not the Prince song. It's just how much it was. And I thought, no, do you know what? It's not good enough. It's you not good enough. You could put that into a podcasting <laughs> budget, couldn't you? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Buy a new uh, fucking notebook. The fu- <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my notebook. Fuck off. <laughs> you can't. Um, I bought a new 1,000-odd pound laptop to write my notes on. You've got, like, a, a notebook <laughs> with a pug on it. <laughs> it's got, yeah, it's pretty bad. But, you know, cheap and cheerful. Uh, final thing I listen to, another thing I've listened to is... And I'm part of the Holy Raw Single, not Singles Club, the Album Club, where you do a subscription. It's the Holy Raw Singles Club where nerds into Holy Raw can go and meet other nerds, like a date insight sort of thing. Yeah, that's how Justine and Sammy met. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> there, oh, you joke about it. But on Facebook, where I go sometimes, there is a download Singles Club for people who like have got oh, no, no other friends into metal and want to meet up to... With people to go to download. Oh, that's cool. It is. That's nice. Yeah. Well done, download. I'm actually recommending it for you because you Thanks. can't come with me. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Let me continue. This band. Uh, so I've had this, like, just gathering dust. Um, I, I just get them every month. And I'm like, I'm going to listen to this. And then I never do. But because I've got Spotify, so I just listen to stuff on Spotify. So anyway, I cracked it out on vinyl. It's the album by Secret Cutter. Oh, that's good. I've got that. Have you? Yeah. And? Really like it, mate. It is heavy as fuck. It is so. I I like. I listen to it on the Spotify, as I said, and even with decent earphones, you don't get like for for once the mastering that they've got on vinyl is way superior to the mastering that's happened on digital. So, I recommend like if you're not a subscription holder and you want something gnarly and heavy and crusty, yeah, man. Quantum Eraser is that's the album. The, um, if you if you want it, just get get into the Holy Rules Bandcamp and buy it for for genius sake. It's it's proper good. So I think we should play them twenty five seconds of it. Yeah, just because that's how much you need to fall in love. Twenty five seconds. 
Yep, so that's well up my street, Secret Cutter. Well done, Holy Raw. Good find. Well, that's it. So that's uh, my week, Dan. That's what I've been doing this week. Pretty good, yeah? Yeah, good Listening to new music. That's what we're supposed to do. I guess that's the job. Back onto the magazines. Right, who's going first? Mate, crack it out. You go first. You got a decent one. I was well impressed with this cover and I forgot this magazine even existed. What is it? Spin Magazine. Spin Magazine. Did we ever even get this in the UK? It's. Uh, I've, I remember getting it on holiday in America. Um, on the front, it says $3.99 in America and $5.50 in Canada. Um, but there's no English price. So do you ever recall seeing it in um, HMV? In, in all honesty, or? yeah, I would see it in... I We, we would go to sort of comic shops in London Um yeah, it would be very special. Yeah, you wouldn't and that get it, it in Smiths, would you? No, that's it. And it would have an import sticker on it. That's right. Like in their little music magazine section. So you can get Fangoria, uh, like the American Horror Magazine, and then Spin and Rolling Stone. I know you can get Rolling Stone now, but they used to have it back then. And yeah, so that's when I first discovered Spin. I might have bought one, I don't know, but I just completely forgot it existed. Yeah, well, I first heard of Spin. Where do you think I first heard of Spin? Do you remember? It'd have to be grunge. Pre-grunge. No. It's in, mentioned in the Guns N' Roses song, uh, Get In The Ring. Oh, fuck yeah, it is, Bob Goodsey O'Neill Jr. at Spin. What? You pissed off because your dad gets more pussy than you? Fuck you. Suck my dick. That's the lyrics. That's not just me getting angry. That's what Axl Rose said. If that was you angry, uh, I think I I could win in a cuddle cuddle off. Uh, Yeah, so... Comes from there. That's where my I first heard of Spin. Yeah. And uh, they mentioned Mick Wall at Kerrang! in the no, same No, they do as well. Yeah. Oh, mate, I love Mick Wall. I'm listening to a new <laughs> podcast of his called Dead Rock Stars. Oh, really? Uh, I say it's new. It's not that new. But he is a funny fucker. And like in, in I think, what are you? It was that old metal hammer that I got from 87 that we talked about. And he was doing all the interviews there. Yeah, that's right. He's just an arsehole to all these bands. Like... Fucking good on him. We need more Mick Walls. We need them. Well, I was attracted to this copy of Spin magazine when it popped up on eBay because it was one we hadn't done yet. It was cheap? And it, no, it wasn't cheap. Bloody I think I paid four or five quid for it. Right. Yeah, it's another magazine we hadn't done and I want to try and stop repeating all the same old titles much as I love Metal Hammer and Kerrang! We need to diversify. Did you see that fanzine that I'm bidding on? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I remember that. I, I I didn't have that issue, but I had a copy of that fanzine. Yeah, anyway, that's coming up in another episode if I win it, hopefully. We need to start a Patreon account just to get money to pay for all the magazines, I think. Dude, Patreon is coming. Right, uh, and it had Def Cab for Cutie on the front cover. I liked one album with theirs and sort of thought, well, I like that one album, but I don't really know anything else about them. I just sort of got that one and never followed up on it. Uh Got Eminem on the front cover, Kanye West. We've never really touched upon rap music in this podcast before, have we? No. And if you're bringing indie crap <laughs> Britpop into it. Well, this coming Wednesday, I do a, 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 like a solo cast about Reading 92. And I do mention Public Enemy. So I thought that was going to be the initial rap thing. But you we want to talk about some Eminem? It, didn't you? Well, we'll see. We'll go through and uh, see all how right, I feel. Mate, all right. This magazine starts off with lots of adverts, uh, much like the last big American one that I had. Um, what was that? Hit Parader? Anyway, it's a uh, um, yeah, it's an American magazine. Uh, lots of adverts in there. 
uh, but for a load of shit as well, not just for music. So you've got like phone adverts, uh, aftershave adverts, tequila <laughs> adverts, and it ends up for the first few pages, it starts feeling like it could be like um, GQ or FHM, that sort of magazine. So it's quite a high, high glossy sort of finish, but I'm like, come on, let's get to the music. Uh, the first section we get to after we've had all like the index and the appendix and all that sort of stuff at the beginning um, is called the noise section about the little news. Now, they've managed yeah. to squish um, one of our biggest festivals, Glastonbury, down into four inches. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Which like, is how it should be squished. Come on. There's, all they go on about is uh, there's basically Primal Scream headlined, Pete Doherty's in it. And that was about it. Let's laugh at his girlfriend walking through the mud. And it's like, oh, you've taken like one of our biggest music institutions and just gone, yeah, whatever. Let's... Oh, that's it. It said like, how's Kate Moss leaving any footprints because yeah, she's exactly. so thin? Yeah. Um, another classy little touch here. Do you remember the band Soul Asylum? Yeah. Run away, train never come. <laughs> they had other songs. No, they didn't. All right. <laughs> Sing one. Oh, run away, track. That's the same song? No, it's the B-side sort of acoustic version. Ah, fair enough. Carl Mueller. Yeah, you remember Carl Mueller? Of course I fucking do. Played the bass? Of Soul Asylum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Uh, he died from throat cancer. So, oh, you know, shit. Shit. Why didn't you tell me that before I started laughing? I wanted to make you look like a bastard. Mm. Anyway, uh, yeah, so throat cancer caused by smoking. That's pretty harsh, I think, you know, 41 years old. Big band like that, and you're dead. Mm, yeah. Spin magazine, uh, in the same little article, they've got an article with Josh, Josh Holm from um, Queens of the Stone Age. Yes. So the picture that they've put on this page is Josh Holm smoking a cigarette. Oh, wow, that's nice. <laughs> a bit insensitive, I thought. But it looks cool. And death is cool. Is it? It's always been cool. Not if you're the bass player of Soul Asylum, it's just... A bit sad. Yeah, well, no. In, in reality, in reality, it's sad. But in, in... He's not the sort... It's not like when Kurt Cobain died. He wasn't like a huge star that went out with a flash. He wasn't Sid Vicious. He wasn't Bono. <laughs> <laughs> he got caught wanking in a cupboard or something, and now he's dead. <laughs> That's not Bono. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was Mick Hutchins. Is that not the same guy? It's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, Daniel, you know last week you called the Kiss thing, didn't you? You, you called that tour because that got announced. And you, oh, yeah. You called it for that. This, if Mate. this comes to, in the news tomorrow, Bono dead in wanking accident. <laughs> Shit. Everyone go, we knew. <laughs> Stop we knew what he was things. doing. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yeah, so Soul Asylum guy dead. Dead. And then they put a picture of um, a guy smoking a fag next to him. I took a little bit from the Josh Home thing. Like, cause I didn't know how they got rid of Nick. I think it's Oliveri. Like, and he was the cool looking one, the dangerous one of the band. Then he left and I didn't know why. And uh, Josh says in this that he was booted from the band because he abused his own girlfriend. Right. And then if you might remember this year or maybe the end of last year, Josh kicked a woman photographer in the head. No, he kicked her camera and it bashed back into her. I think uh, that was a bit overblown, to be honest. Was it? You've done worse. I've done. I do worse daily. Like I, I hate cameras. It's like every time you go out your house, you have to throw stones at the paparazzi. I hate it. 
They're next door talking to Bono. Yeah, man. Poor Bono. I hate the way he died. <laughs> Closet wanker. God. Yeah, moving on. We've got a QA and a with Gavin Rossdale. Remember him? Mate, I did take some notes on this article. Breathing, I... breathe out. From Bush. I, I really like that album. Yeah. Jim got me into that. Um, nice one, Jim. Cheers, Jim. It's a good album. Uh, yeah, 16 Stone it was called. Now they're saying, you've been out of it for 10 years, Gavin Rossdale. What's going on? And he's got a new band called Institute. How did that happen? Did you ever hear of this I before never that heard article? They must have lasted for 10 minutes. What the hell? I, I investigated, listened... I listened to it, investigated it, found out all about them on their wiki. Internet's well good. Is it just like Bush? It's um, it's a bit more modern sounding, but not much, and pretty much similar. Like if Bush came out with that album, you'd just say, "Oh, Bush, Bush have upgraded their sound a bit." That's it. Fair enough. I don't need to listen to them now because I know exactly what they're going to sound like. No one needs to listen to them. Uh, and the other funny bit, they asked if he's jealous of how big Gwen has gotten. Obviously, his wife Gwen Stefani from No Doubt. No, he's just jealous that she is headlining Ross Gilder Festival and he isn't. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, that band, they've got the same logo as Every Time I've Die, apart from, you know, like the eye. Yeah. Right. So it looks just like that. The Institute logo is that, right? Which I thought, hang on. I'm look. I'm looking. Was every time I die around at that time? I don't know who was yeah, first. Yeah, they were going for ages. Right. Yeah, they fucking were. You're right. Because you were listening to them when you're a nipper. Yeah. Yeah. Nippering around. Well, also, little fact about uh, Institute, the band was that Paige Hamilton from Helmet produced it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's why I had a listen, because I'm doing a little Helmet thing right now where I'm listening to them every now and again, just because I love the... I just love the riffs. Yeah, they've got a... Is it called Delilah? A song called Delilah? Or Betty? Or an album called Betty? <laughs> it's been I, a long time! I like Delilah. Let's I'm, call it that. I'm sure they've got a song called Delilah. Mate, I know they've got an album called Betty. We, we would never make proper music journalists... It's good, because we're podcasters. <laughs> we're, right. we're elite professionals. Oh, yeah, forgot. <clears throat> the next bit, you know I'm a massive fan of Oasis. Big, big fan, true fan. Uh, well, this is Oasis live at Madison Square Garden interview. Can I read it out? Go for it. <sighs> Slouched in a chic suit jacket, left hand shoved in his pocket, Liam Gallagher did an aloof, splay-footed strut up to the front of Madison Square Garden stage like a snotty young ad executive. Like, he should be like grateful that he's playing one of like the legendary music things in the world and he's just sort of like skanked his way onto stage, probably needs to wipe his nose and hasn't bothered. Do you know what I mean? Well, at this time, oh. they were coasting. Like, they were coasting. Yeah. They'd made it. He should be fucking grateful. Wow. He should be thanking and saying, thank you for having us. No, the when you're a rock star, of which they were at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be the devil's advocate guy again. I reckon that it's fine for your rock stars to act all nonchalant and snotty and shitty. It's not. I wouldn't like it. No, but I, I get why people do. I love that. I mean, the everything sense of entitlement and oh, it, just, right. everything that Nirvana, everything that Oasis stood for from the beginning, I was against. And when they changed, I was against it. I was just, I just felt like, you know, like that the saying, like, "What do you want to rebel against?" And I, like, I don't know everything. Like that's what it feels like with Oasis. Like no matter what they did, I was like, "Nope, 
I don't like it, it's shit, I'm against it. Whether I, I was or not, they were just my passionate hate. And like, I think that's where maybe you're coming from, is there? Because we both are like, uh, it's not even, oh, I just dislike them. And now I don't mind them, but it's just then it was like, oh, they're the worst. Do you feel that? It was the arrogance of it that I don't like. There's no sort of sense of humbleness about no, playing, well, you know. Even, sorry to bring up Ghosts again, but when they came on in Royal Albert Hall, you could tell that they had respect for the venue and the heritage behind it. Yeah, but the Oasis shtick was not to give a fuck. Like, they, they were the I don't give a fuck band. Like, if you don't give a fuck, welcome to the Oasis Club. You know? Well, I'm never joining because I do give a fuck. Right. And that's why we're moving on to a band that I think certainly would uh, <laughs> mention the prestige of the situation, Flight of the Concords. All right, okay. I did, oh, you said this, but yeah, I didn't read it. I thought so you'd what, have been willing to no, this. What was it was bit? just a little intro piece, really, saying they're Flight of the Concord, they're like folky, come rap, comedy, duo sort of thing. Uh, did you know... Uh, before they were Flight of the Concords, uh, they were a double bass and trumpet band called Moustache. I can't believe that. It's true. Is it just them making a funny? If you believe Spin Magazine, then uh, that's the truth. Then after that, they were called Vested Interest, uh, a keyboard band that just wore vests. And honestly, it reminds me of, you know, the Mighty Boosh, where they have like a new band name every week and they're yeah. just trying different things to see what stick. It's like that, really. What year was this spin? Uh, 2005. Fucking hell, so that's two years before season one. Yeah. That's mad. Okay, so maybe that is the case. Maybe they were, like, completely up and coming. Yeah, oh, yeah, this is, says nothing about the um, TV show. This is just about Fight of the Concords or a quirky little... Comedy band. band. Yeah. Oh, from New Zealand. Mad. Okay, that's cool. So I, I guess, like, I haven't got it to, to hand... But, like, they must have released the albums a bit later on than that. So this is way in advance. We need to do a little bit more digging on these guys, don't we? They're not yeah, just a, a comedy TV show. Mate, they're, I told you, like, one of the very early episodes of uh, Different Times, like, that gig was so good, so funny. I hate comedy, but I was wetting myself. Right, now we get to uh, the front cover bands, the band that made me pick up the mag in the first place, Def Cab for Cutie. Do you know much about them? I listened with interest and like I listened to it a fair few times, the album that you got into and that everyone when we were, I think I was living around yours or yeah. constantly around yours at the time, uh, everyone seemed to be into it and like I just couldn't get to grips with it. Well, um, this is when they're just getting big. So in 2003, Transatlanticism, uh, if I'm saying that right, that's sold about half a million copies and they've just signed to Atlantic. So... You know, just planning for the next big LP to yeah. come out. I can't remember what it was called. And the magazine puts me off them very quickly, even though I did like them in the uh, in the past. The album you're referring to was called We Have the Facts and We're Voting Yes. That's it. That's that was the one. from 2000, and that was Ace, like proper straight up indie rock emo. So that broke them, I guess. That was the first thing that made people sit up and listen. Uh, and then I said, like, the 2003 Transatlanticism. Transatlanticism. Yep. That was like big, big, big. I didn't For bother. a little band. Yeah, yeah I didn't bother. Uh, and then they went on to Atlantic and obviously they've become massive. Uh, it's a big, it's a good, well-written article. Uh, six pages to get stuck into. So it's obviously like the bulk 
what this magazine was uh, based around. A few little, what do you call a little story? Anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> and this put me off, because I was thinking when I was reading, I was thinking, oh yeah, Def Cab, yeah. I should get back into that and listen to them again. There was a little story about them when they've gone to some ceremony, award ceremony, and Bruce Springsteen asked them to move up so he can sit on the sofa next to them backstage. All right. uh, and they're obviously so, oh, we shit ourselves and all that yeah, sort of yeah, thing, yeah. which is like, fair enough. That's um, good. That's nice. Yeah, that was a good little anecdote. That was a lovely anecdote. But then they start saying, oh, it's this band's, this band is this generation's R.E.M. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is the band that you would take home to meet your grandma for tea. And it's like, oh, you've just... <laughs> yeah, you've put me off. I'm not going to go and buy their but other this albums. Is, this is... Uh, there was them, Def Cab for Cutie and Bright Eyes, like, and I pretty much lumped them in the same bracket, uh, whether they sound similar or not. But at that time, that was the way Emo was starting to head, and it's me going, yeah, see you later, Emo. I'm not not interested any longer. Yeah. But that that's how I saw him. But that, I was almost like... that. That sentence about them being this, the modern day REM sort of thing, I'm like, all of a sudden, am you I can so see out it. of touch? Yeah, they're so safe. You know, there's no political, uh, it's all about love and girlfriends and shit, which is fine. There's no, there's no um, punk behind this. But there was with REM. REM were yeah. aloof and. Yeah, yeah. Punk, REM had attitude. They were cool. There, were, there was something special about them, whereas I, I found nothing special with them guys. And like and that, as I say, maybe I just investigated on this album and maybe I should have investigated on the album before and maybe I would have had a different thing, a, di- a different way of looking at them. But for this record, to come in on this record, it was so safe, like you say. Like literally America's, you know, clean. Yeah. Ugh. Yuck. Not having it. No. Move it along. These are unhad. The next bit, it was one of those silly puff piece articles. Uh, the 25 most incredible rock star body parts. Did you see that? Wound me up something chronic, Dan. <laughs> I got really upset. You had some that made sense, like Lemmy's warts. Yep. They're pretty legendary. Legendary. Lemmy. Probably rotting off his face right now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I only said that because I knew you were reaching for your drink. (laughs) You can't. You can't say that. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I really wanted you to spit all over your laptop then. Uh, Keith Richards' liver. That's a pretty amazing bit of technology. Gene Simmons' tongue. Fuck Gene Simmons' tongue. Many people probably have. Um, Elvis's hips, they were... You know, yeah, 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 started a movement. That's a good, good one. The Gallagher's eyebrows—they mm. are disgusting, but they <laughs> See, are legendary. You hate them. You hate them. Uh, and Tommy Lee's cock, which I know you've seen. Oh, I love Tommy Lee's cock. It's massive, isn't it? It is perfect. Uh, and then they go on to some nonsense ones, like Kurt Cobain's spine. What? Yeah, that's not a legendary thing. No one went. Oh, Kurt Cobain is <laughs> yeah, that guy with a slightly twisted spine that you wouldn't notice. Go on. Courtney Love's ankles. I just want to say about this, right? This Courtney Love thing is why I stopped reading your magazine when I read this bit. Like, there's a the guy that did this piece is called Mark Spitz, and pretty much having Courtney Love in there, he just slut shamed her. That's all yeah. it was. Uh, and it was horrible. I mean, I'm not a fan, but I was just like, "Fuck you, fuck this article. It's a puff piece. Keep it sweet. Keep it nice. Yeah, yeah, Def Cab." For cutie is on the front cover. Like it's not fucking crass. It's not you know, you know um, 
bloodhound gang or anything like that. And and then you go and say you slut shamer in such a horrible way. I just, I just thought you know what I'm not interested in this one anymore. I'm going to go back to listen to Thin Lizzy. That's it. Fair enough. Uh, and then Madonna's Madonna Madonna her belly button. And again, it was like what? Mate, no, no. Her belly button was like people when I was a nipper. Like people would always say that belly button that could sell a million records. Really? Yeah, it's just a perfect belly button. It was a big thing on, on all the papers. The Sun. Really? Yeah. Must be a few years before my time. Yeah, I remember um, there was, you know, you used to have page three in The Sun. I was a Madonna obsessive, being a young boy, just discovered wanking. And uh, and she was on page five of that Sun. And you got confused. I, <laughs> I spent more, you couldn't read. <laughs> I spent more time with that picture of Madonna than I did with my parents. I've got to say, that article put me off this magazine, really. In conclusion, it's a bit too mainstream and indie rock for me. Wish I hadn't chosen it. I can't get this time back. (laughs) There was an article I pulled from it with Modest Mouse, just because I'm quite the Modest Mouse fan, and it was one of those uh, uh, sort of question and answer ones. And he, it was, uh, what records have changed your life? And because I quite like like old Modest Mouse, the new album is the only one of their entire back catalogue that I wouldn't rate. And I remember saying, I was speaking, I was getting tattooed once, and they were saying, oh, what are you listening to these days, Paul? And it was Phil, you know, in that, so it's very metal. Got a tattoo Pantera, Phil. Yeah, with Marijuana Leaf and like Slipknot and all that sort of shit. So, and they would say, what are you listening to at the moment, Paul? And I was like, oh, I'm really into Modest Mouse. And they looked at me. Uh, with disdain and it was just like much like I'm looking at you now in fact it's bringing it all back (laughs) and I just I'll never forget that look and like metal fans hate hate Modest Mouse but like his choices were well good like he chose Crass Penis Envy and that album there is some of their records right uh, uh, this well actually this is what he says so he says some of their records are a complete mess Right, and then he chooses penis envy, right, which is a complete mess. Like it's the, all the female members of the bands like taking the forefront and doing sort of like an early uh, proto riot girl thing. It's a great record, but like then to to quote that the other albums are a bit of a mess. I'm just thinking <laughs> bloody hell. Well, just because he says it's a bit of a mess, it doesn't mean you don't like it. No, I guess. I, I guess. Like a lot of oh, well, yeah. Things. I mean, it's a record that changed his life. Pixies Doolittle, that was one. He says this is his most influential record. And also at the end, he says... <laughs> Jesus. He says it's the most perfect record ever made, right? Doolittle. Uh, yeah, Doolittle. It's a good album. It's a great it's album, but it's not perfect, it's is the, it? uh, In fact, it's the most perfect record oh. ever made. Finally, uh, he says, of Pavement, Slanted and Enchanted, and this is in my top ten of all time, this record, which maybe we should do a podcast one time of our favourite records of all time. But anyway, he says, Pavement, Slanted and Enchanted is one of my favourite records of all time. And I'm like, man, I like Modest Mouse even more now because like, he's with me. Great taste. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse. That was the last bit I took from that. And, of course, as I say, then I read that body part piece and I was just like, Fuck you, Mark Spitz. I've had enough. Okie doke, and I've had enough too. That's going in the bin, I think.
you have a magazine this week as well? No. Yeah, did. I did. It's called Vivi Le Rock. Isn't it Viva Le Rock? Viva Le Rock. Where's it from? Where's it from? Yeah. It's, it's from WH Smith's, mate. It's, it's out, like, every month. It's on the shelves. I've never seen this I one. I can't believe you've missed it. That logo really annoys me. Because, again, you remember you said the Power Play logo was like a quick Photoshop giant, or not even Photoshop, like PowerPoint or Play or... I don't know what I'm talking about. It was made by Windings. Windings, yeah. <laughs> so, so it was it was awful. There's 15 year olds going, "What's Windings?" Well, this this one is a um, just an uh, and again another logo that I've looked at and just think, "Well, oh, that looks too cheap." But uh, I was in a record shop in Whitstable the other day, and as you walk in, there's a bunch of magazines for sale, 60p each. This was in there. All right. Like so, I think the main guy who has a shop gets all these delivered, reads them, and then pops them in that bin, and the money goes to charity, which is quite nice. So, I got a few cues. You're gonna love them, and I got Viva La Rock as well. And I will tell you, I think this is one of the best magazines I've ever read. Really? I really do. Look from what angle? The the writing is so good. You know, like you were whinging the other day that when you got your magazine. There, there was so much writing, but the way it was set out was just like, it's so unappealing. Your eyes don't even want to look at it because it looks like a slog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's <clears throat> like that as it should be. There is that much writing, but there's lovely graphics. There's great sidebars. That, Break it up a bit, make it yeah, a bit more it's palatable. it's so good. And the writing is, there's hardly a puff piece in it. Unfortunately for me, like the bands they cover aren't all bands that I'd be into or you'd be into. There's a ton, like, but this, just like you said the other day, have you ever heard of this band? No. Ever heard of this band? No. Uh, let me run through some. I'm going to do it to you. Ever heard of No Class? No. Ever heard of Smash Fashion? You're making that up. Nope. Smash Fashion. No one woke up and said, let's call the band Smash Fashion. Uh, Smash Fashion did. I can't even say it properly. They're not rock, surely. Mate, they're, they're rock with a side order of glam. Right. Right, okay. You've got The Church. Metal Church. No, The Church. No. Never heard of them. The Spitfires. That's a beer. Incorrect. It's a band. Just a band. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is... And it's full of these bands, like, full of bands that you don't really hear of in our side of the world. So I went back to the front cover... It's like, what fucking sort of magazine is this? It's before I'd read a word, right? And it's <laughs> really angry. I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't know any of these bands. And I'm looking at them and I just think, like you said the other day, are they, is this real? Like, is this just a load of bullshit? Like, bands have paid to get in magazines or whatever? Not at all, right? It's just a magazine that covers bands that we're not particularly into. So the subtitle for Viva La Rock is Rock and Roll slash Punk slash New Wave Slash Beyond. They really like Slash, don't they? It's by, get this, Big Cheese Publishing. Remember Big yeah, Cheese? Yeah, Big Cheese magazine was cool. That was like a skateboardy. Well, I'm putting guys. that on the list. Mate, yeah, too right. So Big Cheese guys, because that's dead now, they grew up, killed Big Cheese and started writing Viva La Rock. They didn't just write that, they all published that. They published Louder Than More that we did, that yeah. indie one. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, and uh, there's a hardcore magazine called Down For Life. Yes, I've seen that. Well, that that is also under this uh, big cheese umbrella. So, I just took a punt. Right, let's put this one up. So we're going to do it. So, so I'm sixty p. Sixty p, mate. And Thin Lizzy's on the cover. 
Thin Lizzy are a band that I've always wanted to get into. And just every time I've like randomly chosen a track, apart from the big hitters, not interested. Sounds like, to me, pub rock with like male bravado, like titles and, and words. Like, we're going to come round the streets tonight. We're well, going to punch a pint out of your mum's hand. I never saw any thuggishness in them. It's quite thuggy. Phil Linnett is not a thug, though. Well, no, not at all. Bruises, you know. Irish bruises. They Irish? Mate, yeah. I thought they were from London. Northern Irish <laughs> bruises. Yeah. Can you say Northern Irish without slipping into an accent? Northern Irish. You certainly can. Finn Lizzy always strike me as a band that if you were in a petrol station and you bought like Hits the Drive To compilation mm. and 40 of your dad's favourite songs, Finn Lizzy would be one of those. It's totally right. And... and yeah, and why not? Like um, the the big hits, um, Jailbreak, uh, Whiskey in the Jar, you know, Dancing in the Moonlight. They did a Metallica cover. They did. <laughs> it did. Uh, it is like they're the classics. They're the standards. Everyone loves them. Fair enough. Right. But I just wanted to dig deeper. This whole issue is like front cover about their live album, Live and Dangerous. Now, I'd seen this ever since I was a kid, this front cover, because... When, yeah, it's quite iconic, isn't it? Yeah, you pull a Kiss albums cover out, and then it's, you can also buy on this label, and then it shows you all the albums like that are on that label, and status quo yeah. or whatever. And like, you know, I used one. to love that when you bought... What was that American record label with grunge? Sub Pop. Sub Pop. Every time you bought a Sub Pop tape or album, you'd get a big uh, catalogue of all the rest of the things. Exactly. And it wouldn't say anything other apart from the name of the band, the album... The title and the, the catalogue number. Catalogue number. Yeah, man. So you then have to go home and wait for Google to be invented so you could see what it was. <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we got into Love Battery. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, yeah, it took 14 years. Well, Live and Dangerous is like got this reputation for being like one of the best live albums of all time. Like whether it's got overdubs or not, it's just that's what it's considered to be. So I, I gave it a listen, right? And then I gave it a second listen. Then I gave it a third listen. It's a long fucking album. That was a long bath. It was. I listened to it twice from beginning to end in a bath. It must have been cold. Mate, I just had my bath so scorching hot that like, by the time I get out, I'm just shriveled up. My balls are broke. It's just... You haven't got eczema. You've just burned yourself getting in the bath. That's where you've been it's going just wrong. skin falling off. It's just exhausted trying to stay on my body. You know in Robocop where that guy gets all... No, or is it Batman? No, it's, no, Robocop, it's Robocop. Where he gets all the acid poured the over tos, him. Toxic waste. Yeah, yeah, that's what you look like when you get out the bath. Oh, mate. And I have to get in the water after you. It's horrible. I wish I looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I'm going now. Um, yeah, Thin Lizzy. I still can't get into it, mate. I've listened to that album three times in a row. It's long. I and I know you wasted I've, a whole bath. I, I, I wasted a bath, like many walks of the dog. Just, I can't get into them. So now I thought I'm just going to press random on Spotify and listen to album tracks. And that's where I discovered the lyrics were quite thuggy and, and stuff like that. And it put me off them a little bit more. Um, this isn't going anywhere. Well, I'm just <laughs> I'm waiting for you to go, and then I heard X. No, no that's not going to no. happen, is it? It's not going to happen with them. But like in the album, he says the best thing ever, right? He says, has anyone got any Irish in them? Like, wait, and the crowd goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, any girls want more Irish in them? What a, what a class guy. What do you think of that? Um, I wouldn't buy a T-shirt with him on it. 
It's great. It's great. I like. I thought classy guy like that. Like that's funny. Obviously, he said it, not me. But yeah, uh, so that's that's the best thing I can say about it. So I, I don't know if that's good. What uh, what's funny is you got Tony Visconti, or I think that's how you pronounce his name, who produced David Bowie's like albums, like famous big hitters, and also the the most recent ones. And he says he produced this, and he says seventy five percent of it was overdubs, right? But their manager Chris O'Donnell says that seventy five percent of it was live. So. I'd say 50-50, split it in the middle. Like, and Kisses is notoriously like 75%, 80 90%, maybe, depending on who you're listening to, like, all in the studio. So, I guess like, we'll never know unless we can get our hand on the originals. Mate, live albums are a, a, a dodgy, dodgy thing. But I, I can't for a second believe, like, something like Live After Death is, like, overdubbed in the studio. Mate, believe it. <clears throat> like, even though it's that's later on. It's breaking my heart. No, you got to believe it, like. It's, it's fucking, it's uh, mirrors, mate. It's magic. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah. But Live After Death. Uh, live After Death puts this album not only to shame, like, but, but just pisses all over it, laughing, cackling. But what I would say was, I don't care how good that album is. Like, this article made me want to listen to it. This article was so well written. The article did its job. Oh, mate. It, I, the, and then I just went, like flicking, flicking through, like what else have they got here? And and it, that magazine is incredible. I can't lie to you; it is the best I've read since we've started. Like thoroughly entertaining. They really put it together well. Even the puff pieces are like winners. Yeah. So yeah, that was Thin Lizzy, and as I say, I got a lot from it, but. It still didn't convince me to like them. You know, you can't, you can't convince someone to like something. So, do you ever get that where you really want to like a band, but you just can't? It's, like, you love everything about them, like the ethics behind them, the genre of music they play, but just something doesn't click. All the time, I call it liking a band in theory. Well, I like so many bands in theory. Oh, God, that makes you sound well pretentious. <laughs> it does. I like them in theory. <laughs> but the music just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, man. There, there's like, I don't know, there's like 50 bands like that, of which I could only name Thin Lizzy <laughs> right now. As I say, this magazine was so well put together and so in-depth, I couldn't read all of it. I just couldn't do it, like, within a week. I can't do it justice. But I did take some notes of some different things do you remember a band we played with or maybe not played with but definitely around a scene when babies three were going called vanilla pod yeah pop punk yeah pop punk you know they're still going yeah well, i had no idea they're playing canterbury in a couple of weeks yeah i didn't know that you should do. Right? and there's a big poster for this festival called wonk fest yep i've never heard of that before wonk unit play well yeah it correct yeah, yeah, and they're like the second headliner. And it's like a full page ad in this thing. And I'm just like, fucking hell, Vanilla Pod. Who next? Goober Patrol? Frenzel Rom. What's going on? Frenzel Rom are playing Download 2019 because they're Australian punk. Are they playing the Aussie Download? Download. Mm. Fucking hell. So they're back. Did they ever go away? Am I, I just out the pop punk loop? Yeah. Do you remember there was a band in Margate and they covered like the Henry's Cat theme tune? Was it Sponge? Nope. Did they come from Margate? No, they were local, like Folkestone or something. 
That, oh, there was like a big band that's local, like Stiff Little Fingers, but not them. Oh, Andy no. Nowhere League. Yeah, yeah. Them. Oh, and they're playing again at the moment as well. But no, this was just a, like a shitty local band, and I saw them in something. I'm sorry, I can't remember their name. Uh, but it was like, bloody hell, they're going still. I don't know. There's another piece in here about the cramps. And like read, I read the re- review. Like so, Cramps are a band uh, again. A band. What did you say? How do you like when you see bands and you like them in theory? So th- the Cramps is a band that I like in theory. Like I've got two of their records. So whenever I see one going for cheap, I'll buy it secondhand. Put the needle on, listen to it, and then it goes away for like two or three years until I I'll come across it randomly, <laughs> listen to it again. Uh, don't I don't get anything from them, but I just. I want to like them. Everything about them, I think I, I like this band. It's just, I, I actually don't. Anyway, like I read this review of one of their gigs from 81. It does that thing where it takes a look back as well. So you've got all the, the new bands and then it concentrates also on big pieces of old stuff like Thin Lizzy, like The Cramps or whatever. And this is a gig from 81 at Hammersmith. And it was written so well. I'm really licking this magazine's ass. It was written so well, I felt like I'd been there. At the, at the show it's, it was so well written so yeah and I just keep writing in all my notes here, that was well written good writing you know it's, it's weird what I want to finish up with today is one of the contenders for my album of the year there's a, an article in here and I didn't notice it until I was flicking through even though it's written on the front cover The Interrupters now I mentioned this band a while back I was supposed to listen to them wasn't I so how what do you think of them Dan <laughs> I forgot to listen to them. Ah, oh, fuck's sake, mate. Well, you know, send me an email in the morning or an, a message. They are across, uh, according to this magazine, and uh, it's quite a good description, of The Selector, The Distillers and Operation Ivy. I like Operation Ivy. Mate, it is well good. It's so much fun. Like, I bought this for Claire and I'm so gutted because I want it. It's like... It's currently sitting at the very top of my Albums of the Year list. Ooh. At the very top. The interview uh, is, is only two pages, but I found out loads. I found out that Tim Armstrong has produced them from the start. He also appears on like each album, so it's great to hear his voice. Uh, there's a real sense in their lyrics of family, just like Rancid, like when they get all like, I love you, brother. You're my brother. It's that sort of thing. That's good. So there's a lot of that. The album gets a review. It gets 8 out of 10. So that's wrong because the, the album's called Fight the Good Fight and it's it's a 9 out of 10. There's been nothing this year that's come out that's given me a 10 out of 10 feeling. I know it's not the case for you, but for me, nothing has, has got there. There's been a couple of 9s. Could be Dodge Man. Every year I get a 10 out of 10, but this year not. I really want to like it and I'm definitely going to listen to it but I think I've got past Scar I just there's something about the bounciness of it that I don't like anymore yeah it'd have to be really fucking special to make me listen to Scar that's it well that's it it's not a 10 out of 10 so it might like the issue with it for me is the vocals aren't street enough it cuts off that that 10% 10% it's just like oh I just would love her to be a bit like on the first two albums her voice is a bit more raspy and it's like held, a bit more held back this album not to say this album's polished at all but uh, it's just so catchy man the hooks are all over the shop uh, I, I recommend it to not only to you Dan but to our listeners out there and I know scar is a scary word it's scary I get it it's scary <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's so tired. Okay, we've just in between this podcast, so we're doing the half of it, and the second, and then now we're doing the second half. But in between it, uh, Dan just interviewed John from Conan, one of my heroes, and uh, <laughs> he's looking a bit knackered now. It's getting late. It's getting late. It's almost nine o'clock. Imagine that. Imagine being up at nine. It's ridiculous. So, final thoughts on uh, Vivi Lurock. Well, it's definitely one I'm going to pick up. Um, obviously, none of the bands in it do much for me. So, I'm going to find one with someone on the front cover that I like. Yeah. And read it for myself and see if I get the same pleasure from it that you did. That I th- I th- really do think you will. It's... It's like what what gets me this massive poster of you know that rebellion festival that punk festival yep and that is the real key fest I think you know like for for Metal Hammer it's download for Kerrang it'll be sort of uh, the metal end of things but also Slam Dunk uh, that sort of thing well for this magazine it's definitely like the re- rebellion the punk fests so that that's the feeling I get from that. I don't know, mate. I, I just think they have stepped up the magazine game right now. If if that was rock sound, you know, rock sound, I just think, is this untapped. Like, it used to be so good and now it's gone so ungood. <laughs> I never... I, I just think if they had that quality, if, they, if the writers were given that much... Um, leeway to do what they want I just think Rock Sound is the one magazine like that that is currently just lost in the wilderness and I think the editors and the, the people above in the suits just went hey Rock Sound writers what's your favourite band let's write about them let's get really in depth I just think oh, man that's good and it just proves that it can be done so Viva La Rock uh, you know Utterly impressed. So. It was Alternative Press, the magazine that I couldn't remember from America. Uh, Sorry to just bring that up there. And I have got a copy of Hit Parader to do. Oh, have you? Yeah. Hit Parader was another one of those where you go into that comic shop in London and it'd be on the shelf for like nine ninety nine. Uh, so. Oh, who's on the front cover? Oh, it's only Aussie. Awesome. Okay, Dan, let's say our goodbyes to this lovely audience that sticks with us through this nonsense. Goodbye. I don't want you to, guys. Goodbye now. I don't... Hello. I'll send you this letter. I don't... That was Rosiga. That was fucking great, mate. I don't want you guys to feel pressured. But why don't you, after this, if you're listening to this on your Mac, on your iPhone... Just go, do you know what? I'm going to give these guys five stars. And hey. No, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Why should they? You made a promise. Oh, mate, I did make a promise and I failed on that promise. It was only because I've been so busy. I know it's an excuse, but every night I've been like putting together episodes of this podcast because I'm going to be on tour and I didn't want to like go weeks without n- nothing in those like, midweek periods. So I've just been putting all that shit together. I promise you... I promise you, I will get my lad dispute cover together. I apologise, and uh, <laughs> no more ado. Give us that five star rating. But I, I did let you down. I admit it. I apologise. You can express your dispress. I like it. Dispress. Let's do that. Express your disdain. I was mixing disdain and express. It together. is nine o'clock after all. You can express your disdain for Paul at Waller Not Weller Pod on. Oh. 
gmail.net. You've got that down, mate. That was spot on. That's the internet as a whole. <laughs> You've just got the internet down. I was wrong about you. Hellchild619 is Daniel's Instagram and also his Twitter feed. Mine Twitter is notwellapod. And I think that's all, all that matters really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very late. Yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot for, for joining us. It's been really sweet. As usual, Daniel has been thinking all week of uh, words or a phrase, something just to say goodbye to you guys and make you really think. Daniel, what is it this week? I did it a minute ago. Was I go, goodbye now. I send you this letter. Tommy Lee's car.